Hello, learners, and welcome to Learn On Podcast. The science show by kids, for kids. I'm your host, John C., and I'm here with... Me, Sanai. And today, we have a very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, of course. I'm so excited to be on the podcast. My name is Dr. Yuande Pierce, and I'm a neuroscientist and stem cell biologist at the Lundquist Institute at Harvey UCLA. Awesome. And we're so, so happy to have you here. Today, we're going to be talking about the connections between your brain and body during exercise. So we all know that exercise is good for your body, gets your heart pumping blood, and it's good for your health in the long term, physically. But what about mentally? How does it impact the brain and overall increase its function? So let's explore. So first, we all know that exercise helps your body uh, physically and mentally, but how can your body react to exercise on a short-term level? That's a really great question. So a lot happens in the body in response to exercise. So exercise is very demanding, which means that we need to get some energy from somewhere in order to uh, meet the demand. So in our cells, we have units of energy, which is called ATP. It's a a molecule that is produced in a part of the cell called the mitochondria. And this unit of energy is how we do pretty much everything, including exercise. So to make that molecule, we have to consume food and from our food, we get glucose. Uh, So the thing about glucose and ATP actually is that it doesn't hang around for long. So it's stored as glycogen in our muscles. So when we exercise, we use up that glucose pretty quickly and then we need more. So we need to get that from our energy store. So our body is basically adapted to be able to get that energy. So in order to convert glycogen to glucose and to make get ATP, this unit of energy from glucose, we need oxygen. So where is oxygen? Oxygen is in the blood. So two things happen basically. Your respiratory system needs to start working really hard to get as much oxygen as possible. So I don't know, Sanai, when you're exercising, you might find yourself breathing more deeply. You know, that's your lung. Yeah, and sometimes you might, like, I don't know how to say it, but, like... Gasp for you. Yeah. Exactly. That's your body trying to get as much oxygen in as possible, which is described as um, your VO2 max, how good, how much your your lungs are able to do that, how much oxygen you can take in. And the other thing that you will have noticed is that your heart starts beating really fast. And that's because your heart is trying to pump as much blood around the the body as possible to meet demand. So those two things happen when you exercise. Your heart is pumping really fast and you're breathing really deeply so that you can deliver as much oxygen as possible to your cells so that you can turn that um, glycogen into glucose and the glucose into ATP, which is the energy unit that we use. Right. And so then on the other side, how does your body react to exercise on a long-term level? So on a long-term level, the body just gets better at this process of converting glucose to um, ATP to energy. So when you're really unfit, I don't know uh, if you have experienced this, but if you haven't worked out for a while then actually you're breathing really hard, your breathing's really laborious, your heart's beating really fast. The more you exercise, the more efficient your body gets at being able to meet that demand. So your heart, your resting heart rate actually becomes sort of lower. 
and you actually grow more blood vessels, which means that your blood pressure goes down. You also increase your VO2 max, which is how good your lungs are at being able to take in as much air as possible. So these are some of the long-term things that happen and that's just described as sort of your fitness your improvement in fitness so you can probably work out for longer you can exercise for longer you don't get as sweaty as well as you know other things in your body such as your skin being able to release the heat and you sweating that becomes a little bit more efficient so long term there are these changes and that's just the body not even the brain Right. Yeah. And we like to go for runs. So we especially started doing that more during quarantine. Um, And so we definitely realized that before, like, if we just ran for 15 minutes around the block that we'd we'd really be breaking a sweat, but now we can do it very, very easily. So we've definitely seen that. Now that we have seen it on a physical level of how it is on a short-term and a long-term level, now how does your mind react on that, but on a short-term level? That's such a good question because I think people tend to associate exercise with controlling weight, for example, but there are so many benefits for the brain when you exercise. So the brain is actually a really demanding organ. As you can probably imagine, it basically controls all of the functions in your body. And the key thing is oxygen. The more oxygen you have in your brain, the more efficiently it will work. So when we exercise, we increase the blood flow to the brain. And this has a really immediate effect, actually. So when you exercise, as well as, you know, focusing on your fitness, what you might have noticed is that there's actually like an increase in alertness and your ability to focus and your energy as well do you find that when you exercise yeah I think so and it also just makes you feel really good afterward exactly yeah it makes you feel really good it makes it easier to focus and that's because it's increasing blood flow to the brain and you've actually just touched on this um, when you mentioned how you feel good which is that it stimulates the release of chemical messengers in the brain which are called neurotransmitters so in the brain you have neurons and those neurons need to communicate with each other so they do this by releasing these chemicals. So they're called neurotransmitters. And where two neurons meet is a little gap called a synapse. And these neurotransmitters travel across that gap and it allows those neurons to communicate with each other. So one of those chemicals that is involved, that is released is serotonin. Have you heard of serotonin before? I have, yeah, we'd have. Yeah, so it's often referred to as the feel-good hormone. It's what makes you feel good. So that's one of the um, things you might notice when you exercise, you do feel good. Also, endorphins, they're released as well, which is associated with this mythical runner's high that people sometimes talk about. Personally, when I run, I find running really exhausting and I I think it's quite painful, but a lot of people really like that feeling. Um, So yeah, in the brain, uh, exercise stimulates the release of a lot of these neurotransmitters, which changes your brain chemistry and then how you feel. Yeah. And finally, how does your mind react to exercise on a long-term level? Okay, so this is a really interesting area of research. So in development, before you're born, you basically make 
like most of your neurons. So that's a process called neurogenesis. That's a creation of neurons in the brain. And then after you're born, you actually don't continue to make as many neurons, apart from in a really specific area of the brain called the hippocampus, which is buried deep inside the brain. And if you were to dissect it out, it would look like a seahorse. So I think in Greek, it actually might mean seahorse. So the hippocampus is the part of the brain that's associated with learning and memory. And it's one of the very few places in the brain that we know of where this process of neurogenesis, which is the creation of new neurons, continues after you're born. And researchers have found by studying mice, which, I mean, to look at them, they look very different to us (laughs) and their brains are a lot different from ours, but there are lots of similarities. And there was a study where they compared mice with a wheel in their cage so they could run on their wheel and two mice that didn't have a wheel in their cage. And they found that this process of adult neurogenesis, so the formation of new neurons, uh, is increased in those mice that do have a wheel in their cage. So there's like a direct link. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it it was a really groundbreaking study because it would suggest the same thing might happen in adults. So in the long term exercise actually stimulates neurogenesis in the brain and that's a really big deal because neurogenesis we don't really know why we have neurogenesis in adulthood what it's actually doing but it is linked to for example dementia and alzheimer's disease so how much neurogenesis you have seems to be linked to your your likelihood to develop alzheimer's disease neurogenesis is also important in the process of learning and memory so exercise has this really new um, exciting impact on your ability to make neurons as an adult right right that's very interesting and for our listeners at home all the more reason to go out and exercise Okay, so I think this answered our questions. Very interesting. So now let's dive deeper and explain. All right, so I think we touched upon this a little bit earlier, but how specifically can exercise improve mood? So exercise can improve mood in a number of ways, actually. So as I mentioned earlier, Neurons communicate by releasing these chemical messengers that are like signaling molecules called neurotransmitters. And there are all sorts of neurotransmitters being released in the brain uh, in response to all sorts of stimuli. So exercise has been linked to the release of, let's focus on three different neurotransmitters. So one is endorphins and endorphins make you feel pretty good. And they're associated, like I mentioned before, with this idea of like a runner's high. So the endorphins are the the chemical that makes you feel good when you're exercising. Also serotonin, which is implicated in depression, for example, in that actually serotonin is what elevates mood, makes you feel good. So in depression, there's maybe a depletion of serotonin and exercise actually boosts the release of serotonin. So after exercise, you're likely going to feel, you know, in a pretty good mood. 
Another neurotransmitter that is important in exercise is, I would say, uh, GABA, which does the opposite effect. It kind of slows things down. So it's a kind of neurotransmitter that, you know, slows things down. And aside from neurotransmitters, I would say there's a part of the brain called the hypothalamus. I, I don't know if you've come across that before. Is that a part of the brain that you're familiar with? Yeah, I think we've heard about it before. Okay, so the hypothalamus is really important in regulating body function. So it really comes into play during exercise. It was, it's what stimulates sweat and it uh, controls the release of hormones from your adrenal gland. And one of those hormones is cortisol um, and also adrenaline. So when you're working out, you actually need those hormones to be able to utilize energy. So it's important for energy metabolism. Um, so yeah, you have adrenaline, which means you probably feel really motivated. Another neurotransmitter I forgot to mention is dopamine and that's the uh, neurotransmitter associated yeah. with. Yeah. Do you know a bit about it? Yeah. I think that's the one yeah. that we've heard the most about. Right. Exactly. I almost forgot it. It's really important because it's the one that makes you feel really motivated and really driven and it's associated with pleasure, which is another reason why exercise feels good. So there's a lot going on in the brain when you're exercising and all of it's very positive. And the last thing I'll say is uh, you have all of these neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin and endorphins, but actually exercise can reduce stress. So if you're not feeling stressed, then you're probably feeling better. So in that way, exercise can also make you feel good by just alleviating any stress that you feel. Got it. And, I, and then I think we talked about a little bit about neuroplasticity, but what is neuroplasticity and how does exercise promote it? Yeah, sure. That's a, a good question. So I love neuroplasticity because I think it kind of makes us so incredibly unique like our bodies and our brains are amazing in that they're able to adapt and that's what neuroplasticity is so although your brain the structure of your brain is kind of set in a way from from birth it's always changing and it's in, it's changing in response to your environment so there are two let's say two broad ways in which you can think of neuroplasticity it's a like an adaption or a change in function so let's say that neurons a set of neurons do one particular thing they actually can change their function slightly um, neuroplasticity is associated with the growth of new neurons neuroplasticity also refers to synaptic plasticity so synapses are the gaps between neurons and neurons, they like they branch mm -hmm. at the end so that they can connect with lots of other neurons. So that branching, those new synapses that are forming between different neurons, that's referred to as synaptic plasticity and that's involved in plasticity in general as well. So exercise stimulates both of these things. It stimulates the growth of new neurons so you have more but neurons are pretty useless if you just have neurons they really need to speak to each other that's what thinking is and that's how different parts of the brain work together so the ability of neurons to form these connections is so important and that also seems to be stimulated by exercise so we're still trying to figure this out in humans like I mentioned before we know a lot in animal models like mice which are remarkably similar to us but we are still trying to figure it out in humans because 
if I wanted to see what was going on in your brain during exercise, I couldn't just peek inside and have a look. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we don't really know that, like for sure which chemicals are involved or what's happening, but one um, chemical that's described as a, a neurotrophic factor is something that like is a, it has a positive effect on, on neurons is one called BDNF. And that seems to increase in, um, at least in animals during exercise. So to understand this in humans, like I said, we can't just go into your brain and look at how much BDNF there is, but we can look in your blood and it can sort of act as an indication. And when you look at blood, you have an increase in this chemical, which is associated with neurogenesis um, in response to exercise. You can also go and look at brains through brain, uh, brain imaging. So you can do a brain scan. And when you do that in humans, you see that exercise is associated with an increase in the size of the hippocampus, which if you remember is where you have neurogenesis happening. Yeah, right. And then our final question. Are there any certain misconceptions about the connections between exercising and the brain activity? Ooh, misconceptions. I would say that one of the biggest misconceptions is how much exercise you have to do to see all of these benefits. So I don't know about you both, but one of the things that puts me off exercising sometimes is if I think I have to work out for three hours, five times a week, who has the time? It's like really hard to commit to that. But actually a lot of studies show that consistency is what is important. So 45 minutes to an hour, some, some people or experts in exercise quote 30 minutes to an hour several times a week is a good amount of exercise to be doing for overall health and to see some of these changes but even if you're not the kind of person who wakes up at 5 30 in the morning and works out Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays even if it's a little bit intermittent as long as it's consistent you can see these benefits so I would say that's one of the misconceptions another one is you can't really put all exercise in the same bucket So a lot of these studies actually refer to aerobic exercise. So that's exercise where you're using oxygen, like running, dancing, hiking, things like that. So they're the exercises that are associated with with neurogenesis, for example. So it's important to keep that in mind. Like that's very different to high intensity training, which doesn't necessarily have the same impact. So I would say that's a second misconception as well. Um, Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, this is definitely very helpful. And I think it's so interesting because whenever we think about, right, like exercise, we always think about how it affects our body, but our brain is also very important to keep in mind. And yeah, this was very informative. So now let's go on and evaluate. So we talked about how it can help with neuroplasticity and increase the connections between neurons. And I think you also briefly touched on this, but can exercise help to decrease the effects of neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease? 
Yeah, that's a, um, a good point that you raise. And the answer to that is probably. So there is evidence to support the protective effects of, of exercise on slowing the rate of um, neurodegeneration in the brain and protecting against Alzheimer's disease. How this works is still kind of under investigation, still trying to figure out you know how that works but there's a lot of evidence to support that that's the case and especially in mice you can have I keep talking about mice but they do make a really good model so you can make models of different diseases and in mice where you are able to more systematically or sort of look at what's happening in the brain there does seem to be a lot of um, evidence to suggest that it will improve um, outcomes for you know developing Alzheimer's disease so exercise it improves memory whether that's to do with neurogenesis is still we're trying to figure it out but it definitely improves memory reasoning judgment these are all cognitive functions which are implicated in diseases like Alzheimer's disease so just to step out of the exercise box for a second other things that have been shown to stave off dementia are like continued learning. So anything that stimulates cognitive function broadly, that's what you're trying to improve. And that's what exercise does. Um, so yeah, you can delay the start of Alzheimer's in people who are at risk of Alzheimer's exercise seems to do that. And it all seems to have something to do with what's happening in the hippocampus, which is the area of the brain, as I mentioned, which is important for memory formation and learning. And so one of the logical reasons for that is this increase in the blood flow to the brain, because the, the blood flow is what's gonna give you all the nutrients, which is gonna get rid of toxins, which is gonna give you oxygen, and also stimulate the release of uh, neurotrophic factors, which are um, chemicals in the brain, which really help neurons stay healthy and function well. Right, right, yeah, very, very cool. Um, and I think we've been like trying to cure these diseases or um, slow down their progression, I guess. And so these types of studies, continuing them and learning more from them can definitely bring a lot of breakthroughs in neuroscience. Yeah, definitely. Now, are there any types of exercises or exercise goals to reach that we are, that are required for improvement for brain health? Yeah, I would say, I would say a lot of research is focused on aerobic exercise. So like running and walking, hiking, dancing, those kind of exercises and endurance exercises for let's say 30 to 30 minutes to one hour. Sometimes people say 40 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour and consistency is important. But if you can't commit to that, then even 20 minutes several times a week is going to be beneficial. Uh, HIIT training or high intensity training uh, is a type of exercise where you're getting your heart rate up really quickly. You do like intense exercise and then you rest, intense exercise and then you rest. Um, this might have other benefits, you know, for like when we're thinking about aging for bone health, you know, resistance training is good for bone health. So you kind of want to have a variety of things. 
I would say the most important thing though is that you enjoy exercise. I think half the challenge, yeah, <laughs> is finding the exercise that you enjoy because then you're more likely to stick to it. So um, what are both of your favorite types of exercise that you'll do? Um, I really like running and dancing. I like to ride my bike or maybe or maybe ride my scooter. Mm-hmm. And Sanai also does a lot of Taekwondo, so yeah. Not of aerobic exercise. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Nice. Again, well, you're on the right track and you're starting early. And so as long as you enjoy it, you're more likely to stick to it. Also, I think exercises with a social element because being social and connecting with others also is beneficial to the brain. So if you can combine things like exercises you can do outside, exercises you can do with other people, even exercises to meet like music can all really boost, yeah, the effect of exercise on the brain. And I think going into it with a positive mindset, being like ex- excited for it, rather than it having to be like a chore, just another thing to check off of your to-do list, is just really helpful to see all of these benefits and have a good time. I couldn't agree more with you. It's all about having fun. Okay, so I think that wraps up today's investigation. All right, so we definitely learned a lot today um, thinking about how exercise impacts the brain and has a lot of short-term and long-term benefits to improve your lifestyle. So Dr. Pierce, do you want to sort of wrap it up and just give us a general summary? Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's try and do that uh, in less than a minute. Okay, so exercise boosts blood flow to the brain, which improves uh, improves brain function, increases focus, alertness, boosts your energy. That's just in the short term. In the long term, exercise can increase the process of adult neurogenesis, which is creating new neurons in a part of the brain called the hippocampus associated with learning and memory. It also stimulates new connections between brain cells. And this is all really important in learning and memory, but also in maybe staving off dementia and reducing your, you know, your risk of Alzheimer's disease. Exercise needs to just be consistent. It needs to be fun. And you can really sort of maximize on the benefits by getting outside, which also has benefits on the brain and also exercising to music, which improves your performance and just makes it more enjoyable. And also if you can do it with other people, it just makes it that bit more fun. And I would say that is the summary. Yeah. So if you guys have not done like your daily or weekly regimen of exercise, let this be your motivation. We'll also definitely be doing it a lot more and together and with music based on what we've learned today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been an awesome time. Uh, In the description and on our website, we'll have Dr. Pierce's website and her work and also some other resources related to this topic. Until Until next time, learners. learners.